It is Monday. We bring you another week of podcasts. We're super excited for today's podcast, like we are for every podcast, when today we explore what it really means to remember our death. What? Now you really have to listen because this is crazy. Anyways, our sound today is, I think, better than it's been in the past. So we hope you really especially enjoy today's episode. Hey, Ashley, you're not crazy, are you? Uh, well, that's debatable. Are you crazy enough to go on a date with me? Oh, please, Lanta. (laughs) Is that seriously a line you've gotten? So, hey, you guys, we thought that we would start off today. (laughs) (laughs) We're so cool! By telling really bad date stories. Mm. Because it's just me and Ash today. And we were just, we're just sitting here in Ashley's room and, um, reminiscing about our, (laughs) our roommate lives. And I feel like one of my favorite parts of being Ashley's roommate are like hearing about the outlandish dates that she goes on because sometimes like they're super sweet and wonderful and she's had some great experiences, but also like, I feel like you have a, a weird number of bad dates. Yeah. I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) Should we, like, analyze that or no? Oh. All right. But no, but that was a real line. So so I I think I want us both to share one story today. Is that acceptable? I think we won't go into all yes. of the horrible ones, but yeah. I think we can each share one story. I think we can totally do that. I kind of, I'm really curious, Lexi, though, because of, like, by the way, guys, I had no idea that's how she was going to start this podcast. So, like, I'm just as intrigued about this particular date story because I don't think I've heard it. So I want to hear. Okay, so I was at Daily Mass in the morning. Oh, I do know this one. Okay. Yeah, I was at Daily Mass and there is a guy there who is there kind of a lot. And I, well, I had never met him before and I've definitely seen him after, but it was after Mass and I was like, you know, kneeling there saying my after Mass prayers. And then I got up um, and he just looked at me and he was like, hey, excuse me. And I was like... (laughs) Yeah, hi. And he was like, you're not crazy, are you? Oh, And I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. And he was like, well, are you crazy enough to go on a date with me? Oh, buddy. (laughs) And I am so bad at saying no, okay? It's my Achilles heel. There have been so many times, you guys, where I, I have said yes to dates with people who I just outright should not have said yes to you for for various reasons um but my friend god bless her soul she's so good at saying no and so she was like here's what you're gonna say lexi the next time that you have to say no to a date you're gonna say i'm really flattered but i'm gonna have to say no thank you mm. and then you're gonna be done and so this was my first time doing that and i did it and i yeah said, you did i said i'm really flattered but i'm gonna have to say no thank you so much for asking and that was the end of it and then i stopped talking and it was done And like, okay, I just want to throw something out there because it made me think of this. I think it's so important that we don't equate being rejected for a date with like being rejected as a human. Totally. Because I think that that's part of the pressure is people are like, oh my gosh, like you didn't want to go on a date with me. Like I'm a bad person. Like, no, I get it. I do too. I mean, rejection never feels good, but like, no, it's not like, I don't think you're a great person. It's just that I'm like not interested in you in that way. Yep. Anyways, I could talk about that for forever. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a, maybe we'll have a, 
an episode on dating. Yeah. That we... would be, because we have so much insight into that world. We're obviously <laughs> experts. Well, yeah. Clearly we're not. Okay, I want to okay, hear your story. Okay, okay, okay. So, I um, want to know which one you're going to pick. Okay, so, yeah, right? So, uh, I was on a date with a guy, and I'm not going to give way too much detail just in case for some reason this person, like, knows this person. So that'd be really awkward. Um, but at one point in our conversation, like, towards the beginning of the conversation, um, you know, by the way, our conversation was, like, fine, a little, little odd, uh, but he says She's to so me, nice. I'm being nice again. We're also like publicizing this to some people. So I'm leaving out certain details for the sake of him. Um, but he like reaches into his pocket at one point in our yes. conversation and he pulls out a St. <laughs> Therese medal who, by the way, one of her, uh, most well-known nicknames oh is the little flower. Okay. <laughs> And he says to me, he places it on the table and like looks at me and smiles and says, I got you the little flower. Maybe next time I'll get you real flowers. And oh, it's so bad. I like don't really it's remember so how bad. I reacted. Like I just think I looked at, I wish I could show my look right now. I wish that the look on your face in that moment could be captured. Yeah, like seriously. Because I'm like, oh. here's the thing. Sweet guy, trying really hard. Tried so God hard. bless it him. Tried so hard. But then like, here's the thing, guys. He like asked me on a second date at the end, and like that was the first time that I felt very confident enough to say no. Yay. But then I got like a novel text message yeah, asking he me was why. Really he was really disappointed. And it was really It's sad. God bless men. I am so glad that we don't have to be the pursuers yeah. and like obviously we can be right i'm all about like dropping the hanky dropping the hanky and make in like if you want to make the first move ladies you have every opportunity to do that you go for it i am glad though that there is this idea that is common in the church that like men are the pursuers because yeah. i so don't want to have to do that yeah. and i i just i feel for the men out there but like I rejecting really also sucks oh it's the worst i like don't ever like it no and by the way lest i act like i don't want anybody to think that i'm like wow she rejects men every day like oh no not, not oh, like no. twice a year guys Trust like, me. <laughs> next time we'll tell you the stories about when ashley and i have been rejected because there is for sure an even number yeah. of those for sure like yeah. We are not just out here. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. a really good Oof, clarification man. to make as we're sitting yes. here talking about. We're so elite, <laughs> and then and then we're like shoving our face full of ice cream and wine because we've been rejected. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, your youth ministers drink wine. Ashley's looking at me like I just said the most scandalous <laughs> thing in the world. Wow, we drink a glass Secret of wine when I'm sad. Not just when she's wait, like when we're rejoicing too. Yeah. Okay, we're making. I'm making it worse. <clears throat> we drink wine. It's allowed. It's actually a really good thing to do when you're 21, which totally we are is. well over 21. We so. are. We're reaching 45. <laughs> uh, but you know, we're not attached to wine, Lexi. No, we're not. Like my segue into today's That theme. was a great segue into mm. today's topic. Mm. You guys. guys, I am stoked for our topic today. Ashley and I were just like talking about it before so we could kind of plan out what we were going to say. And we were getting like heated. Really we almost punched each up. other. <laughs> Not <laughs> angry. Whenever I hear heated, that's what I think. Okay. Fired up. That's a better word for it. We are getting really fired up about this topic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super great. So uh, we've talked about Lent 
a little bit and we're gonna like really jump into Lent. Um, in particular, um, how Lent ultimately is a reminder of our mortality. Um, and Lexi, do you want to just kind of set that up for us? Yeah, I do. So we talked about this a little bit in our very first episode when we mentioned that everything that's going on with the coronavirus is so appropriate for the season of Lent because it is forcing so many of us to A, think of our death because um, the coronavirus is serious, right? And it, it ultimately is posing a really serious threat to people's health. Um, and, and it has been leading to death. And so it's forcing a lot of us to think about the concept of death, but also because it's forcing us to give up so many of the things that we love. Right. And so it's causing these like mini deaths in our lives. Like I have to die to my sports. I have to die to some of my friendships as I know them. I have to die to doing all of the things that I want to do, right? So there's all of these sacrifices that we're making, these little mini deaths that we're entering into. Um, and so we were just talking about how appropriate it is and how when we go into Lent, we're ultimately called to think about our mortality, like Ashley was saying, and that this coronavirus mm -hmm. is so... It's such an appropriate time for this to happen, for it to be during the season of Lent. Um, because it is causing us to think about our mortality and it's causing us to detach from a lot of the things that we are maybe overly attached to. Mm -hmm. um, so I know Ashley just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about like when we think about our death, what are some of our reactions to that? Especially mm -hmm. like she was saying, as someone who struggles with anxiety and I yeah. wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I've spent a lot of years in my life fearing death. Um, like sometimes in a way that's been like clinically problematic, right? Like just, I can work myself into a panic attack pretty easily when thinking about, um, when thinking about death and because the reality is like death is unknown and death has that finality to it. Um, that is really hard for us to wrap our minds around. Um, and so I just want to like acknowledge that, right. That like, as we talk about death today, um, yeah, it, it can be sobering, obviously it can be, it can produce a little bit of anxiety, but our goal is not to set people into panic. Our goal is to help us actually ultimately, um, to learn why does the church call us to think about our death and why is that actually good news? So the church calls us to think about our death in the season of Lent, right? Um, but the church has like this history of calling us to think about our death, not just during the season of Lent, but all the time. And, and if we're going to ask ourselves a question of like, why does the church call us to do this? I really want us to explore like how obsessed the church is with the concept of death, because I don't think I understood that for a lot of my upbringing because mm -hmm. so much of church was always like feel good stuff, mm -hmm. you know? And it was like, okay, I go to church to feel good. Mm -hmm. I go to church to think about happy things. And um, it wasn't until later that I really realized how much the church calls us to think about our death and our mortality. So I had this amazing opportunity to study abroad when I was in college. And we were staying in this absolutely beautiful Carthusian monastery. And the Carthusians were like an order. They were a really ancient order. And I think there are still some Carthusians. I'm not really sure about that, to be totally honest with you. But... 
it wasn't a monastery anymore. They had converted it into our school, but it was a monastery in Austria. And it was like in the foothills of the Alps. It could not be more gorgeous. If you want to look up Gomming Austria on the internet, highly Spell recommend. It. G-A-M-I-N-G. It's like gaming. Just like gaming, but it's pronounced Gomming. Cool. Uh, and it's, it's called the Kartausa. It's absolutely beautiful. Anyway. We were learning about this order, this this Carthusian order of monks that used to live there. And we found out that they were silent, so they didn't speak to one another at all. Um, they lived in total silence, except they had a greeting that they would offer to each other. And their greeting was Frater Memento Mori. And that is a Latin phrase. It means brother remember your death like a silent order of monks the only thing that they ever said to each other wasn't like have a great day the glory of the lord be upon you like it was brother remember your death and that spun me off on just this whole like semester basically meditating on that that concept of memento mori of remember your death and like why is the church calling us to that um, when we went to Rome, there was a church that people could visit that some people went to. I never went there, which is a regret that I have. Um, there were so many churches to go to in Rome. And so I didn't go to this one, but the whole crypt of this church was built out of bones of the monks, the hermits and the brothers who had gone before them. So it was literally like made of human bones super super and it's like dark because it's a crypt underneath the ground and you like go down into the crypt and it's all made of bones and there's like a room of skeletons and a, there's like a room of thigh bones and there's like there's there's human bones everywhere and in one of the archways like a plaque on display in this crypt it says i'm reading it here it says what you are now we once were what we are now, you shall be. So it's like these bones of this crypt are saying to you, what you are now, a living person, we once were. And what we are now, bones on, on a wall, you will be. And so I, I'm just like, holy cannoli. Like the church is serious. When we're talking about remember your death. Like the church really wants you to remember and reflect on your death. And so that just, that struck me so much in my time in Austria. Yeah, and I and I think too building off of that, um, it's impossible to be Catholic and not have to think about death, right? Like we put crucifixes in our homes, right? We have like a, a dead, dead guy. man a hanging dead guy. on a cross. A lot of us wear it around our necks, yeah. right? Like super we, weird when you think about it, right? When we pray the Rosary, like we reflect on the sorrowful mysteries, like the five aspects of Christ's agony, right? When we go to Mass, one of the things that I've wrestled with is like, whoa, wait, we like recite this passage from scripture that says, um, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. We proclaim his death. The very essence of mass is the remembering of the sacrifice, the brutal death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we put it up on our walls. Like that's just, the more that I actually think about that, the more that is super weird that there is like, this actual dead man that we that we put up as the symbol of our faith 
the cross, the crucifix, the symbol of death, right? Mm -hmm. It's so intense. Yeah. And I think something else that's important here, and um, I have a lot of beautiful Protestant um, friends and family members who teach me so much about God and his love. Um, But one thing that I've experienced a lot is um, kind of a resistance toward that. Kind of like, why is why is Christ on the cross? Like, yeah. why are you still... You're keeping him on the cross. Yeah, you're keeping him on the cross. Yeah. Like, why are you are you embracing this this death, this suffering? Um, and I think that that's something else that I just that I just think is is worth pointing out that as Catholics, like, we're not afraid of that. Like, we're we're not not only are we not afraid of talking about the cross and the suffering, like, we lean into it. So, why? Why are Catholics so all about death? Like, why? I know, because we're we're freaks and we hate life and we just want to die. No, right? So so why do we build crypts out of human remains? Why do these monks say to each other, the only thing they say to each other is, brother, remember your death? Mm -hmm. Like, why is the church so obsessed with making you think about your death? So I, I have a twofold answer. Go for it to that question. Um, basically, it's detachment from the world and hope for eternity. Yeah. And and we were kind of talking about both of those, like yeah. in our detachment and 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 how dangerous it is for us to be attached to the things of the world, mm-hmm. because ultimately, we're all going to die. And we can't take any of those things with us. Mm -hmm. And having this insane hope for eternity. And to keep our eyes not here on earth, but to actually put our eyes on something bigger and better than that. Yeah. And I think before we proceed further into that, this is is obvious, but it is never, uh, it's never worth not repeating. I don't know how to say that better. Um, the reason that we can even rejoice ultimately in death, right. Is because Jesus Christ paved the way, right? Like Jesus Christ is the one who died, right. Who called us to take up our crosses and follow him. And it's, it's him that, that leads us into our deaths that he might lead us into life. Right. I think that's just a really important thing to have at the basis of our conversation today. That we can think about our death because Jesus did it first. Exactly. And not only did Jesus die, but he rose. He rose. Like, that's what it all comes down to, is that we as Catholics focus on death because we have to get through death Mm -hmm. to get to the resurrection, to get to Easter. So we want to detach from the world because we can't take things from the world with us, right? And... um. The, the whole point, of, though, of detaching from the world is so that we can attach ourselves to something mm-hmm. else, right? Like, it's not just a bunch of no's. It's a, it's a yes, right? So that would be masochism, that actually. would <laughs> That's exactly what it would be, yeah. right? It's just, like, the world sucks and then you die. Right. Right. But it's, like, and, and that's so not the Catholic stance, right? right? So um, we want to detach ourselves from the world and, and focus on the things of eternity, Right. So it's like, I think that's the part, at least for me, that sometimes gets lost is what are we focusing on? 
Like, what is the positive thing that we're supposed to be focusing on? If it's not money, if it's not sex, if it's not um, feeling good and feeling comfortable, if if we're supposed to let go of all those things, like, what are we supposed to be focusing on? What are we supposed to be thinking about? Right. I um, I was just thinking a little bit, too, about, in particular, the detachment from the world. Um I I had an experience a couple of years ago um, where that really became real for me of like, whoa, like I can't take everything on this earth with me. That the only thing that I can have and that does matter is my relationship with Christ, is this eternity. Like what is my yes, right? Um, I, my uncle, he had been suffering from cancer for several years um, and throughout his whole life, at least as, as far as I had known him, um, he had really just embraced atheism and really just did not believe there was a God. Um, and had, he had spent his entire life um, becoming a musician. And he was really great. He was very talented pianist. Like he was quite successful in his pursuits of music. And yet finally cancer caught up with him. And I was privileged enough to be living really close to where he um, spent his final days in a hospice care. It's actually a Catholic hospice care, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I just remember walking into his room and seeing him laying there unconscious uh, because the cancer had just taken over that much at that point. And I just remember thinking about all of the energy that he had spent on music and um, worthy as that was, beautiful as that was, music wasn't going to save him. Like music wasn't going to be the thing that was with him for eternity, right? Um, and I was just so struck by that as I watched him. I was like, oh my gosh, the only thing that any of us can take with us is our relationship with Christ. That's it, whether we have one or not. Um, and just a side note, I was very blessed to have roommates with me at that time who we went and we prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And like, I really do believe in my heart that my uncle was given every chance that he that he could have um, to change his heart and to, to say no to the other things of his life and to say yes to Christ. Um, but it got me thinking, right? It just had, it got me thinking about what am I attached to in this world? Where am I placing all of my hope? And what things do I need to be saying no to so that I can say yes to God, which is, I think what Lexi is getting at is we're not just saying no for the sake of saying no, we're saying yes to something greater. Exactly. And, and kind of a similar story, but on the other side of things. So my grandmother passed away, um, two or three years ago now, I think two years ago now. And, uh, on her, so she was also suffering with cancer and she asked if I would come and read her scripture, like read her the Psalms. And I remember so well, it was Psalm 51 that she kept like wanting to hear. She heard that. And then I think it was like a woman at the well or something, but Psalm 51 is create a clean heart in me. Oh Lord. Mm. And like, that was her prayer before her death was create a clean heart in me. Oh Lord. And so it was this awesome piece of knowing that, my grandma is praying before she dies for the Lord to clean her heart so that she'll be prepared for him when she does die. And so it's, it's the way that we prepare for our death matters. 
you know, and like what we're expecting when we die matters because it's what we're going to prepare ourselves for. And we kind of spend our lives in a sense, like preparing our hearts for our death, whether we're recognizing it or not, like where we put our hearts, where we put our stock in this life, like where your treasure is that your heart will be. Right. So it's, I think it's so wonderful that the church asks us to think about our death and, and to really ponder like what is coming next. And that's kind of what I wanted to go into a little bit today of was like, what is coming next? Yeah. Like, what does heaven look like? What is it going to be like? Because as we think about our death, we would be so remiss if all that we think about is this gruesome, like, like that reflection that you were just reading earlier, Ashley has this awesome reflection on death. Like, it's not just black and mourning and dead flowers, right? When we think about our death, we're ultimately thinking about the next life. So it's not just detachment from the world, but it's that twofold, right? It's detachment from the world and hope in eternity. So like, what is eternity going to be like? Yeah. And Lexi has um, <clears throat> inspired me to actually read all of the Chronicles of Narnia because oh, I haven't read all of them. So um, good. And she was reading a quote to me earlier um, from the very last book of that series called The Last Battle. Pretty fitting. Um, and I am so going to actually good. ask her if she'll read it because I think it really just sets a beautiful tone for like, what does it mean to really imagine the greatness that is to come. So go for it. I'm so excited to read this. Okay. So so the only background knowledge that you need in order to understand this. Th so this is the seventh book of seven. So this is the last book, right? And you've been going on this journey with these children through the land of Narnia. Okay. And so Narnia is like another world that they step into. And when they step into this world, they meet Aslan. And basically Aslan is Jesus, right? Like he is um, the, the character of God. Okay. So these children have died and they don't know yet that they've died, but they know that they're with Aslan. Okay. So they're back in Narnia and that's all that you need to know for this. So it says, Aslan said to them all, you do not yet look so happy as I mean you to be. Lucy said, we're so afraid of being sent away, Aslan, and you have sent us back into our own world so often. No fear of that, said Aslan. Have you not guessed? Their hearts leaped, and a wild hope rose within them. There was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And as for us, this is the end of all their stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Mm. And that's how it ends. And you guys, it's just like that image of they were beginning the real story when they were like, the term is over. 
the holidays have begun. Like, that's what they call school, right? School is a term, and the holidays are summer. Because he's like, the term is over. The holidays have begun. Like, the dream is over. You're awake now. Mm-hmm. Right? And just that the concept of, like, our world as just a dream and that heaven is when we finally, like, wake up and it's reality. And it it's, they were like, all of the stories. And these kids have gone on so many crazy adventures. Like, this is book seven. And he's like, that was just the title and the cover page. This is chapter one of The Great Story. And those three words are capitalized. The Great Story. And that, just that concept of, like, death is the beginning. And everything before that is going to look like a title and a cover page compared to what heaven is going to be. I just think that's amazing. It is amazing. And I think it it also speaks to just, like, why we detach from the world. Because I know exactly. that I can speak from my own experience that, like, I, I have had several times in my life where I've gotten caught up in the things of the world and they weren't even bad things. I'm talking about like, Oh my gosh, like, is this the job I want to have? Is this the person I want to date? Is this the house I want to live in? Like Mm -hmm. those are all objectively great things to, to spend our time um, doing. And yet when I become attached to those and that becomes my end all be all, um, I miss out on what is actually the ultimate fulfillment of my heart. Right. Which is Christ himself. And I think that right now, like personally with this um, COVID-19 pandemic happening of all times in Lent, I am personally facing some of these dreams that I've had for my life. And with all of these unknowns of like, how long are we going to be like out of our jobs? Will our jobs still exist? Will I get married? Like, those are the adult things that I'm thinking about. Um, Like... It is something that um, I think about these things that I am I'm dreaming about um, and, and the things that are now no longer what I thought to be a guarantee. Like, oh, yeah, I'll just do this and I'll do that and I'll do this and I'll pursue this. Like right. something like COVID-19 makes me realize like, oh, whoa, 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 this is not a guarantee. And it's been causing my heart to reflect on the greater picture. Right. And hopefully Which, that's happening for all of us, for all of us to some degree of like, yep. oh, maybe I'm not going to have my grad party when I thought I was going to have my grad party. Maybe I'm not going to get to play in state this year, Mm -hmm. my senior year, or maybe I'm not going to like form that connection with that person that I really wanted to, or maybe I'm not going to do this project that I thought I was going to do in school. Like there's so many things that are going unfulfilled right Right. now that were good things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it it can either lead us to this despair or it can let us open our hearts to this reality of like, whoa, what is the bigger picture here? Mm-hmm. Right? Like what is God doing here? Um, and I think there's, there's actually a passage that, um, that when I think about the ultimate, right? When I think about not focusing so much on the things of this world, but on what I'm made for, I'm drawn to this passage in John 14, um, where Jesus says this, he says this to his apostles. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Right? Like Jesus is. Like this is, we're again, we're not detaching for the sake of detaching. We're not, we're not like saying goodbye to the things of this world just because we want to punish ourselves. Like 
It's so that our hearts can say yes to something greater, that we can be ready to, to embrace what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, but the things that, that Jesus Christ, the place that Jesus Christ is preparing for each of us. And Lexi, Lexi, I just said your name really weird, Lexi, um, <laughs> just revealed something that she learned recently about this uh, passage that like I want her to share because it blew my oh, mind. You guys, I melted when I found out about this. Okay, so so I this is super um prideful of me, but I so often think that I know everything. Like <laughs> I'm like, well, like, okay, so I was a theology major, right? And so I'm like yeah, I know most things about like Jewish tradition and the Bible and like that, but I don't, but I feel sometimes like I do. And then Jesus slaps me across the face and he's like, stop you. I'm going to teach you something new. Okay. So, so I was research, well, not researching. I don't remember even where I found this out, but someone was writing or speaking about this passage about, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I learned that there's this Jewish tradition in marriage that a man, when he wants to marry a woman, he like proposes to her, right? And then they are betrothed, meaning that they are going to get married. And once they do that, he leaves her for a year, okay? Like they don't see each other for a year because he goes to prepare the place that they are going to live together. Like he goes to literally build them a house mm. and or fix the place that he is going to have them live. Like he goes to prepare their chambers, like their wedding chambers and the place that they are going to live together for the rest of their lives. So, but they spend a year separated from each other, but betrothed. So like they know that they're going to get married. They know, like she knows that he's building this place for them, that they're going to live for the rest of their lives. I know. And, and then when they get married, that's where they go like on their wedding night, right? They go to this place that he has prepared for her. And so when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, like there are many rooms in my father's house. That is what he's talking about. He's saying like, you are my betrothed and we are going to be separated for a time, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I just think about, okay, like as a girl, if I knew that that was happening, like if I knew that this, strong, rugged, lovely, wonderful man was going to prepare a place for me for us to be married, I would spend my entire year, I would be useless because all I would ever be doing would be daydreaming about this place that he was going to build for us. Like I would totally be lost in the clouds of my head would be gone. I would just be thinking about this place that he was going and I just, I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about him. I would be totally just in in headspace zone all the time daydreaming about this place that he was going like I would be writing his name on my notebook like it would just be all I could think about and I think that is why memento mori right like memento mori isn't remember your death like black and and sadness memento mori is remember the place that Jesus is preparing for you and let your head get lost in the clouds of heaven, of like think daydreaming about this place that he's preparing for you, you know, have hope in eternity. And I think like that daydreaming, I was telling this to Lexi earlier, like ultimately like we talk about prayer and we give you methods for praying and, and that's good. But like ultimately like, like that daydreaming is our prayer. Like if I just were to yeah. sit in prayer and just be like imagining the place that God has for me, 
That might sound egotistical at first, and it's not because I've earned it, and it's not whatever. It's because I've been chosen. It's because mm-hmm. you've been chosen. It's because you're beloved. It's because we're beloved. You're his beloved. And like, what does Jesus want? Like, what is heaven? Heaven is that ultimate union with Christ. And so for us to meditate on that is like, oh my gosh, that is such a beautiful prayer. Like, that is prayer. And I think the, best. the other thing that I want to point out too is like, Alexia is saying like, if I knew that somebody, this man was like preparing a place for me, I'd be daydreaming about it. And like, just like we, we should, you know, we have to daydream about heaven. And that is true. But also there would be an ache in Lexi's heart mm-hmm. in missing her beloved who is away from her Absolutely. at this time. She'd be doing the wedding registry alone, guys. Okay. <laughs> I'm so funny. Okay. But like actually like a legit ache, like a, sure. a legit absence. And I think that we have to realize um, that we, we do experience that ache on this side mm-hmm. of eternity. We do experience the cross. We experience sufferings. We experience a good that ends, right? A good that's just a foretaste. We experience the absence of good in our heartaches, in our tragedies, in the things that don't go the way that we had hoped. Um, And yet there are two things that I want to say about that. One is we have to know that with every cross, there's a resurrection, right? And so with, in, in that hope, like Lexi was saying, like, we can daydream about that to get us there, right? Mm-hmm. To be like, oh my gosh, I'm enduring this because I know that right. something greater is happening. And the other thing, the second thing, is that we're not alone in that, mm-hmm. right? Like, even though we're not fully united with Christ, like, holy crap, look at the Catholic faith. We have the Eucharist to have Jesus accompany yeah. us along the way, uh, which a lot of us, I think, are, are realizing the gift of that right now as mm-hmm. we're as we're being mm-hmm. um, to, called to, to fast from that in a lot of ways. Um but like Jesus is with us in that suffering, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He is with us in such a real way. And I, I was thinking too about like the death that we have to go through, even in a marriage, like you, there's a level of sadness, especially in that kind of marriage, like in the Jewish time, because you're giving up mm-hmm. your old life. You really are like, you're saying goodbye to your family you're saying goodbye to the home that you've lived in for your whole life. And it's so, like there's a real death to your old life, but it's for the purpose of this grand new life. Yeah. So one more question that I want Ashley to speak into, um, because she does so well with this topic in particular, <laughs> is if we're supposed to hope for our future life in eternity, why don't we just give up on this life altogether? Mm-hmm. Like, why do I, should I have any hopes for my life here? Like, should I, should I hope for that job? Should I hope for that, um, that friendship? Should I hope for that relationship? Um, that combined with like, why don't I just end it now? Mm. I mean, I know that maybe sounds morbid, but like, if it's going to be so great in the future and this life is just suffering and it's, and this is the Shadowlands and this is the dream, then like, why don't we just end it now? Why do we have hopes for this life? Yeah. There's a lot of things I could say about that. I think like, one thing that I want to say first is um, this side of eternity is like the place where our hearts become prepared for the ultimate, mm-hmm. right? And so we can't shortchange that. Like, I know that even like what the Lord has done in my life in the past year has prepared a, a greater place in my heart for him that I would never want to turn away um, or trade, right? And so I think there's, there's that component. And then speaking toward hope, Um, I love the topic of hope. Um, those who know me know that I like have been meditating on this, uh, virtue and what it is. Um, 
And really what spurred on that question was the very reality of the things that I'm hoping for in my life, right? Because I do, I, I said this a little bit earlier, but like, I do have hopes, right? Like dreams for what God might call me to do in, in my career, right? Dreams of being married, of being a mom. And like, I can put my hope in that. And like, actually, in a lot of ways, like I should, right? I should hope for those things. But I'm going to actually read you a quote um, that I came across that I think really speaks to like, how do we order this reality of like, I'm hoping for something here, but I'm also wanting to put my ultimate hope in Christ. So I'm just going to read this passage. It's from um, my shout out to my juniors and seniors on core team who are reading Jesus as friend. Um, it's a really corny title and a really terrible picture on the front of his cover. Um, but it's Salvatore Canals. Mm -hmm. That was really educated sounding, but it's like a, a really legit priest and uh, shout out to the pro Ecclesia Sancta sisters who told me about this. So this is on his reflection on hope. And he says this, it's not that Christians should not have human hopes and aspirations. On the contrary, we can say that there are beautiful, noble hopes that have more right to be in our heart than in any other. But also here in the province of hope, we have to have in our soul and in our heart the proper order, a hierarchy and harmony of hopes. And no human hope, however noble and beautiful it is, should obscure the light and lessen the strength of our hope of possessing and enjoying forever in eternal life, God, who is our ultimate goal. There's a hierarchy of hopes. Yes, I hope I'm just going to use my example. Insert yours. Yes, I hope for marriage. But if that's where my ultimate hope lies, I am missing out. I will be disappointed. I am missing out. Because my ultimate hope, the only place that my soul is going to be fully satisfied, where that longing will be satiated, right, is in Christ. And yet, this is something else that I've been learning. Hope breeds hope. And so I have been finding that the more I can lean into my hopes on this side of eternity, like hope for marriage, hope for this, hope for that, these good, these good worthy things, as this author says, the more that I can hope in those things, the more my heart is opened up to hope in Christ. So true. Because the moment that we stop dreaming, the moment that we stop hoping for something greater, for something better, we stop hoping for eternity, mm -hmm. right? But I can't, but then I have to also realize that in hoping for these things, this is kind of a complex topic, but like in hoping for these things, I can't stop there. Exactly. I can't stop there because it's almost like this gateway. It's like this opening in gateway. my heart mm -hmm. to really, to really say, whoa, this, what I'm seeing right here and right now in the midst of this COVID-19 outbreak, in the midst of my family problems, in the midst of my friendship issues, in the midst of my whatever sufferings, in 2020, in the midst of all of it, my hope stands. Like Christ is here. Like Christ is with me. Christ is calling me into something greater. How did you say that phrase earlier? Further and beyond? Or what was that? Come further up, come further in. Yeah. Yes. Like he always wants better. And so it's not that he wants to deny you the good things. He wants to give you the good things and then give you more. Like... Mm -hmm. To the point that those good things that you have seem like 
they were a dream in comparison to the next good thing that you're going to get. You know, and it's and it's like it's not like you don't he wants all of the levels for you, right? But the point is that you don't turn back and like long for the things that are behind you, but that you keep going further up and further in. Mm-hmm. Right? So um like the desire and the dream and the hope and the longing for marriage stirs up the eternal hope that we have to be the bridegroom of Christ. Right? And yes. the the hope that we have for a beautiful home and a beautiful life here on earth stirs up our ultimate infinite hope for a beautiful home and a beautiful palace in eternity. Like when we long for beautiful and good things here, that is what that's the gateway to the beautiful things that we're going to receive in heaven. And so if we just stop hoping, that's going to kill our desires and our hopes that ultimately lead us into heaven. Right. And so we should dream big here on earth, but that's not enough. Mm. Right. We have to go even further, further up and further in. Yes. Oh, I love that phrase. Um, how so kind of fun of a topic is this? This is like so great. I hope you guys are like geeking out. It's like a longer are, episode, but it it's going to be but, worth it. But I kind of just want to circle back to like, remember your death, right? Mm-hmm. Like remember your death. I think, um, you've all in some way, shape or form, if you're taking the time to listen to our podcast, you're probably practicing Lent. Um, so you're all taking on some kind of sacrifice, right? You've probably given something up or some, yeah. Or even in adding a prayer to your schedule, you've given up time, Right. right. And, and I think that I just want to encourage you, um, to not just do that because you're supposed to do it. Like that's not Lent. Lent right. is not just sacrificing for the sake of sacrificing. Right. Lent is about sacrificing so that we make room in our hearts for Jesus Christ. Right. It's about remembering that we don't belong to this earth, that we belong to eternity. Right. And so as you're giving up that piece of chocolate or as you're, not watching that show or whatever it is, like I encourage you to like turn that no into a yes. Like I'm remembering my death because I'm also dreaming about the life that is to come. Amen. I, I know that I need to work on that recently. Like, I think I've been getting a little bit bitter about some of the things that I'm having to give up as it gets harder Mm -hmm. through this whole COVID-19 thing. And so I think this is a perfect time for this reminder. Like let's all spend the next few days daydreaming about heaven instead of resenting the death that we're supposed to be dying to our current life. Like let's act as if our bridegroom has gone to prepare a place for us and let's daydream about that future. And I think as we do that, as we daydream about the future, we're inevitably going to be, we're inevitably going to consent to the death. Amen. Right. Like just like that bride who is preparing for her bridegroom is like, Probably she's sad about leaving her parents. She's sad about leaving the life that she's known. But the more that she daydreams about the future, the more okay it becomes to give up those things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's so true. Mm. Oh, I want to go stare at a crucifix right now and think about not just the no of Jesus, but the yes. Absolutely. And let that inspire me. I'm going to go work on my 1000 piece puzzle that I just started that I'm not convinced that I actually have all the pieces to. <laughs> and as I get frustrated about that, and as I'm doing my puzzle, I'm I'm going to daydream about the future that Jesus has in store for us. And I'm going to go for a run and do the same thing. I also want some ice cream because it's Sunday. My stomach's growling. I'm kind of hungry. Let's go get ice cream. Okay. Well, uh, okay. We remember love you your all. <laughs> remember your death. Seriously. Go eat some ice cream and remember that Jesus is preparing a place for you. And that ice cream is not your end all be all. Okay. Love you. Love you. Bye.